0: Hello, my name is uh, Macbiel. We're going to a scripture today from uh, Genesis 50, from uh, 15 to the 21st. It says, uh, when, Joseph, when Joseph's brother realized that their father was now dead, they said, what if Joseph bears a grudge against us and wants to pay us back seriously for all the terrible things we did to him? So they approached to Joseph and said, your father gave orders before he died, telling us, this is what you should say to Joseph. Please forgive your brother's sins and misdeeds for their terrible things to you. Now please forgive the sins of your servants of your father's God. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers wept too, fell down from in front of him and said, We're here as your slaves. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I God? You planted something bad for me, but God produces something good from it in order to save the lives of many people just as he's doing today now don't be afraid i will take care of you and your children so he put them at ease as spoke uh, reassuring to them let's pray thank you father for this morning and thank you for everything you uh, give us and all the blessings and we pray that you open our hearts today uh, to receive what uh, Pastor Day have for us and pour uh, down your spirit in our lives and uh, make us uh, new and uh, in a different way. And uh, we pray for that and thank you, Lord, for this morning. Amen.
1: God is good all the time. God is good all the time. All the time. All the time. Amen. Um, So we have come to the last chapter of Genesis, Genesis 50. And uh, I'm sad because Genesis is over. Um, It's been a good journey. And um, we're at the very end of the chapter. But I wanted us, as a review, to go to the very beginning. And in the beginning, this is Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. He separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And when we are journeying through uh, creation, the creation narrative, Uh, we saw that out of chaos, um, God brings order with a word. He says, let there be light. And in the depths, in the formless void, um, his spirit was flowing over the waters. And he says, let there be light. And he spoke order. And uh, over the course of uh, six six more days, um, he's creating lines. He's Uh, making animals, he's making the sky, and the earth, and the waters, he's making humanity. And each time there's this pattern of him speaking into what's not there, or chaos, um, and bringing about order, saying, let there be this. And there's also a pattern of after having surveyed what he has just spoken into being, he says, now that is very good. That is very good. And finally, this culminates on the sixth day uh, when God creates humanity. He breathes life into humanity, into clay, and says, now that is very good. Very good. And so we have a beginning um, that's full of power, that's full of animation and life, full of hope, and full of the power fingerprints of the creator god the one god um, who's good and loving and wants to love on his creation wants to love on people and he created humanity in his image and says now this is very good so we know from that that god in his nature is creative he's loving and he's good and then human human beings us in our core at our core in our nature We are made in God's image, so we are good. We are part of God's good creation. um, And we have the capacity to love and create and give. Amen? Amen. Uh, But into this goodness, we soon learn and we soon uh, find out, uh, enters deception and the fall. And so if you remember, uh, the serpent comes to Adam and Eve and says, did God really say this? Right? He makes them question God's word God's good word and humanity's like I don't know maybe he didn't say that maybe we should eat of this fruit maybe it's okay Um, and so you see this first deviation this first fall this first choice uh to disobey God's initial word and then throughout our genesis we see um kind of the consequences of sin and disobedience as it creates wedges between people, as it creates wedges in relationships, brother against brother, wife against wife, daughter against father, cousin against cousin. And in the midst of the strife, the envy and violence, as people live out their fears, rather than living into their identity as God's image, as the Imago Dei, um, God nevertheless continues to speak creative, creative words, to speak new life, to speak grace, to recreate, if you will, um, to speak new creation, uh, to speak mercy in order to restore and make right again that which was broken. Um, And in order to demonstrate his continued love for creation, his continued love for people, he speaks grace. He works to renew. He works to rebuild. Um, The other thing that I wanted to, oh man, it wasn't on. The other thing that, I I had a whole outline, I was proud of it. Ah, So we're revisiting beginning to fall. Um, The other thing we learn in Genesis is that people forget, right? We forget our keys. We forget our family members' birthdays. Some of us forget our anniversaries, right? We forget to say thank you. And we begin to take for granted the most important people in our lives. Uh, When they give to us, give to us, give to us, and we forget. We forget that without them, we wouldn't have those things. And we take them for granted. We forget. And in in scripture, we see people continuing to forget uh, how good, how gracious, how merciful that God has been. How much he's provided for them. How much even when they stumbled and made mistakes, he still brings good out of a bad situation. He still gives gifts, good gifts, to people who've denied him or slapped his hand away. People forget God. People forget what God has been doing in their lives, right? We forget God. We forget what God has been doing in our lives over and over again, right? There are times when we've prayed, we've been on our knees, we've wept before God. God, please help me! A lot of us have probably been on our knees. Give me a job, God. I want to move out of my parents' house. Give me a job. And God did that. He provided for us. And then later on, we're like, man, I'm so good at my job, right? I can do anything. I got this job for myself. We forget. We forget God. Um... We definitely forget God and how God has delivered us, how God has forgiven us, how God has provided for us. And in our, uh, in our passage, Joseph's brothers forget, because last week we were in chapter 45 and didn't Joseph forgive them? Wasn't everybody falling on each other's nets, weeping? And there's this great reunion, this reconciliation. We talked about reconciliation. And how beautiful it was. And Joseph wept. He clearly uh, showed and expressed his emotion to his brothers. He was vulnerable before his brothers. He said, I missed you. Bring, your, bring father, bring Jacob here. Uh, let's celebrate. Uh, but Joseph's brothers forget. Even though they just had this reconciliation moment. And Joseph had just demonstrated amazing grace and mercy. What happens is, after Jacob's death, which preceded this, the father Jacob dies, um, the voice of fear, right, begins to creep back into their minds. And they say, right, what if Joseph bears a grudge against us and wants to pay us back seriously for all the terrible things we did to him? And that's the thing, right? You know, you've heard it said, forgive and forget. And well, we always say, oh, forget it, forgive and forget. But really, right, when someone's wronged us or we've had conflict with someone, isn't it hard to forget? It's hard to forget because something reminds us or that thing, that pattern happens again. And we're like, remember when, right? We keep tabs. We keep tallies. Right? And it's really hard to really grasp, really receive, like, the kingdom notion of forgiveness and forgiving. Right? When someone says, I forgive you, inside I'm like, oh, yeah, I forg- they've forgiven me. But really deeper inside, I'm like, I better not do that again. Or I better work hard to, like, or I'll, I'll just avoid them so it doesn't happen again. You know, we, inside we see ourselves as servants. Right? We, see our, we enslave ourselves to the same kind of sense of being or same state of the relationship. And it keeps us from being truly free when we're reconciled. Um, it's kind of like in Lord of the Rings, right? the ring of power overcoming Bilbo Baggins in the end. right? Peaceful Hobbit. But all those years with the ring and carrying the ring, It's like, my precious, right? And that that fire is always in there, remembering, remembering, that fear, right? And Jacob's brothers feel this thing. It's hard for them to remember. They forget what God has already given to them as a gift through Joseph is mercy and grace and a way out and a new hope, a new possibility and provision for their family right from from the famine from starving very tangible provision and they listen allowed themselves to listen to the voice of the serpent right did this really happen did god really do this no and when we begin to listen and forget god and begin to listen to those voices in our heads the fear the anxiety we start to take matters into our own hands right we start to try to manipulate situations try to control situations <laughs> And they do this, they do this by lying. We assume that they're lying, just out of, in the context of kind of what's going on. They say, okay, because he might still be holding a grudge, let's go talk to him and say, before dad died, he said, forgive your brothers and show them mercy. And Joseph kind of sees, reads between the lines, he sees what's up and he's like, do not fear. Do not fear. Don't be afraid. Am I God? God has produced something good out of your bad intentions, out of your evil plans and actions against me. He's done something good. Um, And I think this is a beautiful moment here too. He's saying, get out of yourselves, right? Get out of the human kind of propensity to mess up what God's already done and just say, and don't look at me as like God, right? God's already done it. Don't you know it? Am I God? Don't be afraid. I'm gonna take care of you. Um, God has done good. And I wanted to give a word about this um, because here Joseph makes a theological statement that present here is God's amazing grace. That's what has happened in our family, right? And in many ways, only the sufferer, the one who's wrong, can legitimately make a the- theological statement like this, right? My, so my loved one dies. I lose my house in a fire. so I lose my job. Whatever, uh, this tragedy has happened to me. And Casey comes up to me and says, God is working everything for good right what am i gonna feel in that (laughs) right exactly right even though it may be true right it may be like he's trying to speak word and truth into me only the sufferer really can legitimately make that theological statement that god out of my suffering has brought goodness and he planned goodness out of this does that make sense um if his brothers or anyone else said, Oh, Joseph, God meant your bad experiences for good to see. For, uh, for good. Don't you see it? So it was actually good that I almost tried to kill you, but then sold you into slavery. <laughs> <laughs> right? It would ring hollow and be in poor taste or be downright oppressive. But the one who has suffered can say this. The one who has suffered can say this. So... In a sense, Joseph is holding all the cards in this situation. He has the relational power, and he has the political power. And he chooses to use those things to forgive and to also bless his family. Um, and, and it ends with, our, our passage ends with, so he put them at ease and spoke reassuringly to them having kind of this position of relational power, uh, able to contextualize his own experiences for the good and to see God's hand in it, he's able to be uh, the face of God to demonstrate grace and mercy to them and reassure them, right? He even has more gifts to give them, right? Even in the midst of their own doubt, he eases them, he reassures them. The chapter ends with Joseph uh, passing away and dying, and uh, he makes his brothers promise him that when he dies, they'll take his bones um, and take them out of Egypt and <coughs> bury him in Canaan, um, just as they did with Jacob. When Jacob dies, uh, even the Egyptians, all the brothers, they had this huge procession and took his bones out of Egypt um, to the cave in Mamre, uh, and uh, Buried him in Canaan. And this is Joseph's wishes, wish as well. But as a side note, this doesn't happen for like 400 years uh, by Exodus 13. Moses, when they're leaving Egypt, it says they grabbed Joseph's bones. So right, talk about the long story or the long view. Right? It doesn't, his wishes don't happen for a long, long time. Um, but I wanted to draw away some takeaways uh, from this. And the first is kind of this notion of reconciliation, a system of reconciliation, right, or a mindset of reconciliation versus that of retribution, right? A system of retribution or payback would make, for instance, the young prodigal son in Luke 15 come back to his father's home saying to himself, at least I can say to my father, I'll be just a servant to you. You don't have to treat me as your son. I'll come back as a servant, right? There's this kind of sense of give and take, um, payback. You have to pay for the wrongs done. There's not the sense of, as Lydia said, we don't deserve it. God's grace, we don't deserve it. We receive it as a free gift, right? It's It's a free gift to our identity. Instead, we cast aside our true identity in God and say, I'll just be a servant. Right? I'll be half a friend. We'll be frenemies. Right? We we won't really reconcile. We'll just be frenemies. Right? But there'll always be this little tension. Um, So that's kind of what I call a system of retribution. For instance, Reuben, I think it was Reuben saying to Jacob, right, if we don't come back with Benjamin, after we take Benjamin and Joseph, if we don't come back with him, you can kill my two sons. Right? (laughs) What? Right? Jacob's like, I don't want to kill my grandkids. Like, that would be triple loss for me, right? But Reuben's like, here, if we don't come back with this, take my sons. His two kids are like, Dad, right? Thought you love me, right? That's kind of re- retribution, right? Payback. Revenge. And revenge is kind of good drama, right? I-, I mentioned last week, Korean drama, so much of it is built off of revenge, right? Someone, anyways, um, <laughs> revenge—it's good drama. It's easy drama. It's addictive drama. Um, but reconciliation is much more difficult. Um, and yet, it's a—it's much more difficult, but it's the easiest thing to receive grace. Um, grace is a narrow path. Revenge is much easier. Grace is harder. Um, and this, this, this phrase, am I in the place of God, that Joseph says, I think that's deep because God is in control. We don't have complete control of our lives, much less other people's lives, right? We can control how we respond to conflict or wrong having been done to us and circumstances or someone coming to us and saying, you've wronged me, we can control our response. Um, But we can't control other people's response, right? Or other people's hearts. I can't make someone forgive me, right? If I do that, I'm actually doing a second wrong, right? I've wronged them. Forgive me for what I did. Forgive me, hurry up, right? Uh, Now I need forgiveness for that. So we can't control other people's hearts or other people's responses. But true reconciliation in the kingdom sense, right, Uh, Christian reconciliation requires not two parties um, but three. right? You, the other, and God. You, the other, and God. God creates the safe space. And God works on the hearts of both parties of the people to make, right? To bring something extra out of the the closed system. You need God bringing something extra from outside to help that situation along, right? To, To bring, to breathe his grace into it, right? To create, to bring a sense of mercy into that system. Otherwise that closed system will just, it'll never resolve itself, right? You need power, the power of grace. You need the power of God's grace Um, in that situation. Um, So reconciliation requires three people, three parties. Um, We receive the gift of grace God wants to give both parties, right? And God brings grace and mercy and reconciliation that lasts, that's long lasting. Not Not like a cheap grace or something that we'll forget and like Uh, Nothing was ever resolved. Uh, And then the next thing I wanted to take away, uh, we mentioned this last week, the long view versus the short view. If you'll notice, Joseph being 14 chapters long, like a novella, right? The next Joseph, uh, the book of, the story of Joseph is a bridge between Genesis and the, the story of the patriarchs and their line and God's promises and blessings, and Exodus, right? So the Joseph narrative is this bridge um, to the next book, which is Exodus. And the book of Exodus in that story is like really long, right, it's more like a, it is a book. Um, and so the story is stretching out, right? Through Genesis, we've had these episodes and we are able to look at these chapter, two chapter, half a chapter episodes and talk about you know, God's character, God's grace, God's working in the midst of people just doing their thing. God, nevertheless, works. And the story is stretching out, right, and getting longer and longer. Um, and the whole, the whole um, we talked about Jacob having to wait 14 years, right, for, what's her name, Rachel? Right? Joseph's bones were in Egypt for 400 years, right? Like, like fulfillment was a whole, has a whole different, it's a whole different dimension um, of time. So it's stretching out. And we, as readers of scripture, are privileged to have that whole narrative, that the scope of the Bible, the canon before us, to see that throughout scripture, God is one and the same. God continues to love his people. God continues to make a new way. People continue to forget Right, the pe- In Exodus, if we ever go through Exodus, you'll see the people forgetting. Right? Where's the water? No, I want bread. I want to go back to Egypt. It's like, we forget. And, and the reader were like, stupid, stupid. Don't you remember God? Look at the long story. Look at the long view versus the short view. And then we remember, oh, I forgot too. I, I forget all the time. The story is stretching out, um, we need to have the long view in mind and act out of the truth that God is good and intends good for our lives, rather than controlling and manipulating out of a short view um, because we're responding to our own fears, anxieties, or circumstances. Right? We need to respond and live out of God's goodness and abundance, out of the long view instead of reacting, manipulating, controlling people and situations because of our own anxieties, fears, and doubts. Amen? Uh, And this kind of plays into the whole abundance and scarcity mentality, right? A long view is is a view of abundance, receiving the abundance of God. A short view is a scarcity mentality. Uh, And then finally, remember, and this is the... Uh, we're in the Lent, the Lenten journey, and this is kind of the name for our Lent series is Remember, um, uh, with Erica's sermon, Remember God. Or are we forgetting God? So let's remember God. Um, that's why in the church, much of what we do when we come to worship, we come into this place, we sing praises, we listen to the word being taught, uh, we remember God's words. It's a way that we uh, do ritual and we do something regular. We discipline ourselves um, communally in order to together remember. Remember God's words. Remember what God's work has been in our lives. Remember God's work in the lives of people around us. Remember God's work among us. God's words among us. And in praise, remember his character and his love for the world. If you've forgotten and you sing some of these words like amazing grace, right? It helps us remember. And we live into the lyrics that we sing. We live into the prayers that we pray. We live into the words of scripture that are being taught. We live into those things, and it continually turns us, curves us towards remembrance. And during Lent, we remember God's saving work through Jesus Christ in the world. We remember um, as Jesus journeyed um, in the wilderness, in his ministry, um, in his suffering, in his death, and finally his re- resurrection. We remember uh, God's deep, deep love for us. And we remember uh, what he's doing. And we remember the power that God has to make things new, to make our lives new, right? To say, to reassure us to say, don't, don't, you, don't you remember, right? To, he reassures us. Just as Joseph was reassuring his brothers, don't worry, you're safe, you're forgiven. Suffer, die and rise. This is the rhythm that we remember and we step into as a church community. With Jesus, we suffer, We die and we rise, knowing that God has the power to speak life um, and God is good. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for your work in our lives. Um, Help us to remember uh, we forget so many times um, of your goodness, so many times of the things that you've already done, Um, the answered prayers, uh, the ways that you've provided for us, the ways that you've delivered us, and um, help us to see our circumstances, uh, to have a long view, and to see your hand um, in everything, and to, be, and to come to you and pray, saying, God, you've, intent, you've intended all of this for good. Um, we want to remember you, and wait in anticipation for you to come and bless us, and deliver us. In your name, amen.